Welcome to the SEO Freelancer Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Leroy. Each month I'll be interviewing one freelancer to understand their freelance journey and how they've been able to make over $100,000 in one year. Let's not wait another minute and let's jump right into this interview. Derek, you've made over $450,000 from Upwork with your SEO career. Is that true? Yes. Yep. Just over 450000 That's awesome. Can you do us a favor? Can you just introduce yourself a little bit? Give us a little bit of a description of your background and how long you've been freelancing. I'm Derek Jacobson. I've been doing SEO for uh, 12 years professionally, uh, 15 years total, doing it on the side before I got to getting into uh, the real world. Um, grew up in Minnesota, uh, graduated from St. Thomas, and um, I am the founder of Emerald Consulting, uh, basically an SEO consulting firm. Yeah, so walk me through a little bit. So you said you went to college. One, I'd love to hear first and foremost how relevant you think that is to an SEO career. And then two, walk me through a little bit what your first full-time job was out of school. And if you feel comfortable, share with us your starting salary. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I actually probably, I didn't learn anything for when it comes to SEO from college. I think college is great for certain things, but when it comes to really getting that technical expertise uh, that you kind of need from SEO, yeah, I, don't, I didn't get a lot of value there. Um, I was basically self-taught. I learned how to do SEO as I was trying to promote a landscaping company that I ran in college. Once I actually graduated, my first job was at Feinbaugh, so part of Thompson Reuters. So I was making $19 an hour, basically just claiming and optimizing local businesses for law firms all day. So, uh, Derek and I actually had a very brief overlap at Feinlaw at a time, and that was my second job out of college. So small world, and funny enough, Derek and I didn't even... Uh, meet really until after we started this uh, podcast and he had emailed me to be on it so it was fun to see that Derek was local and that we had overlapped without even really knowing that i feel like everybody kind of gets their start in seo at thompson reuters at fine law so many people i've worked with started or had at least some experience with them so it's kind of yeah kind of a niche market there but so with that in mind when was it that you decided that freelancing was an option for you? Were you freelancing part-time as you were working at Finelaw or another job? Or you know, what's kind of your story with freelancing? Yeah, so I've kind of always had that entrepreneurial mindset. You know, I've always wanted to start a business or make extra money on the side. Um, that's you know, partially why I got into landscaping in college. It was a better way to, to make money than just doing a you know, working at McDonald's. Um, and funny enough, it was uh, during, I think it was 2014, I bought a Tony Robbins Masters, uh, Money Masters DVD series. Um, and that's how I got started with freelance. I, I think he was interviewing um, Russell Brunson and he was mentioning this place called Odesk, which actually turned into Upwork. Um, he hired like a, a freelancer to design his website or graphic design or whatever it was, I can't remember. And I was like, build my website. And so I checked out Odesk and uh, realized that I could actually create a profile there. And that's, you know, that's really where I learned that I could, there's a market out there for freelancers. And so, you know, right after watching that DVD series, I uh, jumped on there, started, created that profile and um, yeah, I got started. 
Awesome. And, and was that in addition to your nine to five job or did you already commit to the freelance life full time and then just went straight to Odesk or what is now Upwork? Yeah, so that was, um, I was doing that part time. So um, I was working at Target at the time. And so I was basically moonlighting as a freelancer um, half the time when I was working there. So I um, did freelance part time for about three years before I decided to make it my full time job. Tell us a bit more about your process in joining Upwork. You know, what was the process in just getting signed up, you know, starting to get some projects, as well as would you recommend Upwork as a platform for people that want to start freelancing? Yeah, so setting up a profile, um, getting set up with Upwork is, is very simple. It's kind of like setting up your LinkedIn profile. Uh, you go in, you sign up, you give them your basic information. You can input anything from job experience to past clients. Um, and then you can put a description of what you do, what products you offer. Um, and uh, so that part's very simple. Uh, actually getting the, the clients and getting, uh, getting freelance gigs is obviously a little bit more difficult, but um, I would highly recommend anybody that's trying to get into freelance to at least give up work to try. Um, there's, you know, it's, it is the largest marketplace for freelance jobs out there. So um, yeah, I mean this, you know, that's where I got started. That's where I still get the majority of my leads. So I would highly recommend it for anyone just starting out. And that's awesome. Yeah. Let, let's kind of jump right into what I think might be a misconception with Upwork. I think a lot of people assume that individuals on Upwork are, you know, potentially overseas or working for a really cheap rate. What do you think is the perception of Upwork as a whole? And did you have any issues being able to charge reasonable rates? Yeah, so there's definitely kind of that um, misconception uh, of Upwork on uh, on that front. I mean, there's definitely those, you know, the cheap jobs that people, you know, there's always going to be the companies, clients that just want cheap work regardless. Um, and those aren't the ones that I want to work with. Um, but from from an online marketplace, I would probably put Upwork at the top. You know, there's there's Fiverr, there's Freelancer.com, and a bunch of other ones that there's definitely a lot more tailored towards the uh, the, the cost saving uh, market. Would you recommend Upwork to others? Yeah, I would definitely recommend Upwork to anybody that's just starting out freelancing. Uh, it's a great opportunity to get get your name out there. You know, there's thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of job opportunities on their platform and they have, you know, all types of experience levels too. So there's companies looking for highly experienced people, but then also um, entry level uh, freelancers. So there's, there's really an opportunity for everyone. And you had mentioned that there's several competitors to Upwork, you know, Freelancer and, you know, even previously, you know, what Odesk was. Um, is there something about Upwork specifically that you enjoy or do you actually recommend being available across multiple platforms? Yeah, so when I first started out, I was trying to sign up for as many of these online marketplaces as possible. But then I realized it's hard to really manage all of those different files. So I really focused on Upwork because it was the highest quality. There's the highest quality job there. Uh, they had more clients or more potential employers there than any of the other ones. And I also didn't feel like it was um, as cheap. There wasn't as many of the you know, so-called overseas uh, workers competing for, uh, for jobs. 
I think of Upwork and my limited experience using it is they do, to my knowledge, have some high fees. Can you walk us through a little bit how that works? And does that play a role in your rate on Upwork or potentially the projects that you'll take? Yeah, so Upwork, um, similar to the other ones, they do obviously have to make money, so they have their service fees. Um, I think the way that, that they structure it is for the first $500 for any client that you work with, they charge 20%. And then from $500 to $10,000, it's a 10% fee. And then above $10,000, it goes down to 5%. So um, I definitely factor that into any job that I take on. Um, I actually charge more for Upwork clients than I do for non-Upwork ones just to kind of counterbalance that, uh, that service fee. Um, I also have a minimum requirement that I take on. So I, I won't take on a job that's less than $2,500 total just because I want to make sure that I'm not paying too much towards that service fee. But at the same time, um, you know, Upwork gives me a great opportunity to work with clients throughout the world, really. So it, to me, it's, uh, it's worth the fee. Uh, there's definitely things that, yeah, it's not, it's not fun paying you know, 20%, but it's, it's kind of just a necessary evil. And correct me if I'm wrong, Derek, I believe you had told me offline, there's like a guarantee to getting paid. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So the way Upwork works is um, if you're working on the hourly rate, they, um, you're guaranteed to get paid for the hours that you put in. So you start the, the clock, the timer. Um, and um, if you, um, if you're monitoring that time, it does guarantee that you'll get paid for the hours that you put in. So to someone who's maybe starting out, you know, that could be one of the, the biggest benefits. I mean, you and I both know, you know, outside of these platforms, there's no guarantee that you get paid unless you're going to have your fee up front. So I suspect that that takes a significant risk out of, you know, the situation that could make Upwork, you know, more, you know, palatable for individuals that are, you know, just trying to start off. Yeah, absolutely. That's, you know, that's definitely one of the, the key factors to Upwork or what I consider their, uh, you know, uh, something that I really enjoyed about that is you, you literally get paid each week. So once you get started, you, you, you work a week, you wait the week as the client reviews your work, uh, and then a week later you get paid. So you're getting a paycheck basically every single week um, if you have uh, repetitive jobs on there. So uh, that's nice. And it is guaranteed. Now, there's a, the drawback of that is Upwork has to monitor your work. And so they're taking screenshots, checking how many keystrokes you have, most clicks. Um, and that can be not exactly the most fun way to work. Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely a balance. But you know, as somebody who has been stiffed on payments before, and you know, I've had situations where five, six, seven grand has been four, five, six, seven months late. Um, you know, that's just one of those things where when you go freelance, you know, you don't have that type of security net. So while Upwork does have some additional costs, it is good to see that there's an upside to it as well. You know, you still get to kind of be free in this consulting and freelance world, but you have some structure of regular income, assuming you get the projects. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And even when you're working with clients offline, you can have great co contracts. Um, they you know, even they could be guaranteed contracts, but as you know, as a small business, if they don't pay, it's usually not worth going to small claims court to try to get paid if it's, you know, only for a couple thousand dollars. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I think that kind of goes back to 
you know, post that I'm in the process of writing, it's like having um, reserves is just critical. I mean, it's really easy to sign these contracts and just kind of write on a calendar when you're getting paid. But the reality is, is until it lands in your bank account, you have not been paid. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to be the, you don't want to enforce all the contracts. You don't. So let's go past Upwork and let's just talk about freelancing as a whole and making that first hundred thousand dollars in a year. I mean, that's a huge, you know, milestone to hit. You know, when when did you hit that? Like, how long was it after you started freelancing? Yeah, so I started freelancing um, part time in 2014. I did that for about a year and a half, and then officially uh, went on my own in uh, about the middle of 2016. Um, and took me about a six months. So actually 2007 was the first year that I hit hundred K, uh, for the full year. So, um, almost my, you know, about a year and a half in, um, I was able to hit the hundred K mark. Almost exclusively through Upwork or was that a hundred percent through Upwork? So, uh, that time I had one, uh, contract It was actually with 3M. And so that was a part-time contract. So I was doing full-time freelancing with that contract, um, and so it was a combination of the two. Um, and then 2018 was the first year that I hit 100K uh, through Upwork. And that was pretty much exclusively Upwork uh, funds that I yeah, hit that mark with. So that's just proof right there that you don't have to work for $10 an hour on Upwork to make freelancing work. You know, there's real money to be made. And Derek is showing us that this is the case. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. And yes, I mean, I, you know, any, anyone that's looking to get into freelance, the, I think the number one recommendation I have is make sure that you're not trying to compete on price. That's just not, not the way to go. Um, you, know, you should value your time and the work that you do. So. And moving forward, is Upwork still your plan of, you know, continuing to be a significant role for your revenue or you know, is it something you plan on moving out of? You know, what are some thoughts there? Yeah, so uh, right now I would say Upwork is about 50% of my total income. Um, I yeah, I do get, I'd still probably say 75% of my leads are through Upwork. Uh, I don't see myself taking, uh, you know, getting rid of Upwork, but I am ideally trying to move a little bit more towards um, clients that are off off of Upwork just because I don't want to continue to have to pay that uh, that, that fee. But um, yeah, I do see for the foreseeable future, I'll continue with Upwork. Um, it's been a great source of leads and uh, you know, expected to continue that way. You build out your profile, you know, continue to get good ratings and show that you're a reliable asset. You know, people are only going to want to work with you more and more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really a snowball effect. So when you first start out with Upwork, landing that first job, I mean, I think it took me three or four months. Um, and the second job was probably another month or two. But it's, you know, like a snowball effect I mentioned, it just it gets easier and easier. And now I no longer have to actually apply to most of these jobs. And most of the clients are coming to me asking for help, which, which is a lot better than having to constantly uh, create new proposals and set uh, and submit uh, job proposals to to on there. I love it. Well, let's jump into freelancing full time. So when you started, you had obviously worked nine to fives before. But what would you say was the most difficult aspect of going out on your own? So uh, I say there's two things. The, the first thing was um, 
being a freelancer, when you're doing it full time, it, it can be very lonely, right? I mean, you know, when you're working your nine to five job, typically you're in an office, you have a bunch of coworkers, you're, uh, you have a lot more um, human interaction. Whereas when I went full time freelance, I was basically working and living out of my condo. So I was there 24 seven almost and that gets uh, yeah, very lonely. And so that was that was definitely a big struggle. Um, I was able to kind of balance that with getting an office, a rented out a WeWork office for a few years, uh, which was nice. That really helped for you know, more on the social aspect of things. Um, and then the other struggle is, you know, obviously not knowing exactly where your next job's going to come from. Um, there's always, you're always a little bit worried, a little bit more worried about your financial situation, making ends meet and all that. So there's more stress when it comes to, you know, freelancing. Right. And, you know, you've done freelancing before the pandemic and obviously now during the pandemic. Would you say that the loneliness is that, would you equate kind of pandemic situation to how you felt back then? And has it gotten easier with the pandemic to be able to handle it? Or walk me through a little bit of that. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess the pandemic sucked in the sense that I had to give up my office and work remotely or, you know, work from home again. Um, you know, the good thing is I was used to it, but a lot of the other people weren't. So I mean, those virtual happy hours with friends was um, something that you actually look forward to. So, you know, you go out freelancing full time, you know, you're kind of figuring out where the bumps are, you know, at this point, is it safe to say that you're probably making more money than you have in your previous nine to five jobs as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've, um, I've more than doubled my income on a yearly basis uh, since I've moved full time to freelancing, especially over the last few years. Um, there's just a lot more um, opportunity there. You're, you're actually paid for um, the work that you do instead of just, you know, having your salary. And um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot more lucrative. And that's the part of freelancing that I love. It's like once you're able to figure out how it works and that you have the skill set to really support, you know, this lifestyle, you know, the amount of money that you can make really is limitless. But what you do find in my own experience is you try to balance, you know, do you want to be stuck working 24-7 to maximize dollars in your pocket? Or do you really want to maximize the amount of time with your other hobbies? And with that. I'd love to just jump right into when we compare hours to hours, you know, are you working more now as a freelancer than you were nine to five or how has it changed over the years? Yeah. So when I, uh, my nine to five roles I had, they were mostly contract jobs. So um, once I hit that 40 hour mark, I was done. I was out. Um, it wasn't going to work any more than that. Um, when I initially did full, freelance full-time, um, I probably wasn't putting in the 40 hours, mostly just because I didn't have enough client help based up, so I didn't have enough hours to work with those. Um, and then you know, there's only so much you can do if you're not doing client work. Um, so I was probably only putting in close to 30 hours when I first went full-time. Um, now, I'm probably closer to 50 to 60 hours, depending on the week. Um, I, I work probably six to seven days a week. Uh, weekends usually put in a couple hours, um, not necessarily because I have to, but you know, it's something I enjoy to do. And if I have a little bit of free time, um, it's something that's, yeah, something else to, to do, especially more in the winters when you know, it's cold outside. Yeah. And out there. <laughs> Absolutely. Here in Minnesota, for anybody who's not aware, you know, it gets blistering cold and, you know, we have what feels like 10 feet of snow. 
I admittedly do fair amount more um, freelancing projects during the winter, and then I try to scale back in the summer a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I golf a lot in the summer, so that's the one nice thing about freelancing is if I have a friend that calls and wants to golf in the afternoon, I'm, I'm always free, I'm always able to hit, hit the links. And you know what, you bring up a really good point. I'd love to hear your thought on this. There's this idea of nine to five work where we know we kind of have to be butt in seat or even in a remote world, you're kind of in front of your computer the whole time. But when you went freelance, for me personally, I really kind of adopted that nine to five world in freelance. And as I've been doing it more and more, I continue to pull back and I can do what you said. I can meet you for, you know, around a golf or a long lunch. But how was making that adjustment for you? Like you said, if you're not working, you're not getting paid. So were you always kind of working nine to five regardless? Yeah. So when I was... Uh... When I started out, I try to keep it just the same as my the nine to five job. So I would, you know, start at seven thirty, and I would go until you know four four thirty five o'clock at night. Um, and I still do that for the most part. Most days, that's my schedule. But I'm also, at, you know, if there's something I would rather do, um, if I want to, I need to go get groceries or I need to go get the oil change. I, I just do that at a random time. So there's just a lot more flexibility in the schedule. Uh, but I also think it's important to kind of have a set schedule. Um, you know, when I, when I first started out, I thought that I would just wake up whenever I want, kind of turn on the laptop, fire that up and start working on uh, for a couple hours, go, go do something else and come back. Um, realize pretty quickly that that's just not the way it works. If you really want to be successful in freelancing, you do have to treat it as a full-time job. Absolutely. 100%. I do think you will agree though. There's something about having to run to the bank or the grocery store at like 1 PM on a Tuesday. That is just amazing compared to, you know, every other hour of the day when people at nine oh, to five. It's so nice. Most people that know me know that I'm, I don't have a lot of patience. And so like sitting in traffic is not something I like to do. I usually, you know, when I was working my nine to fives, I'd start at 7 a.m. just so I wouldn't have to deal with traffic. Um, and that's the nice thing about freelancing is, yes, you can, you can do your errands uh, in the middle of the day when other people are working. And it's a lot less busy. Just another benefit <laughs> of the freelance life. Exactly. So continuing with comparisons to nine to five roles, talk to me a bit about stress. What do you what do you think? Has it been progressively worse, you know, as you freelance more in comparison? Is it better? Yeah, so freelancing is definitely a lot more stressful. But um, part of that is because I make it more stressful. When I when I went full time freelancing, I you know, I wasn't working that much. So I wasn't all that stressed about the, the amount of work I had, but I was you know, stressed about, uh, like I mentioned before, making sure that you, you you can pay your mortgage, you can buy groceries and everything, that you're making ends meet. Um, now, I, I am more stressed because I have, my, you know, my plate's constantly full. So I, I tend to bring on new clients more often than I should. Um, but, and so I'm, yeah, I'm constantly stressed with the amount of work, but at the same time, um, that's, you know, I'm, I'm doing that to myself. I think, you know, there's, there's a balancing act that you can, you can definitely have where, uh, yeah, you're not, you don't need to be working constantly like I, I tend to do. And you and I <laughs> talked offline before jumping on this, that vacations, it's a whole nother experience when you're a freelancer versus nine to five, where you just kind of throw your out of office on and you'll be back in a week. Can you walk me through a little bit how 
stress plays a role in the vacations you're taking or maybe ones you're not taking? Yeah, as a so as a full-time employee, when you have PTO, it's great. You get to go on vacation, you're getting paid, you're not worried about anything, you just completely shut down for a week. Whereas freelancing is it's a vacation is almost more stressful, um, at least for me, uh, just trying to get everything done before going on vacation. Um, dealing with clients when you're on vacation, as much as you can tell them that you'll be offline and working out of pocket, they kind of still expect you to respond to emails if they have an emergency, like I, I recently had. Um, and then getting back into things, it seems like there's, you know, things pile up and you get back and you're even more stressed out after your vacation. So, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to take a vacation whenever you want, but at the same time, you know, you have, you have to deal with all the clients and everything. So it's, you know, you can never really shut down completely. So, so far we have about six check marks and the freelancing is awesome, but we finally have our first one where maybe it's starting to inch a little bit towards the, be really cautious and prepared be joining a freelance world if you love your vacations. Yes, yes, absolutely. I will say I may be one of the rare people that I don't mind a workcation. And what I mean by that is there's been plenty of times where, you know, for instance, we rented an Airbnb up north a couple hours so we could do some snowmobile and ice fishing here in Minnesota with my kids during their spring break. But what I did is I, I woke up and I worked a couple hours every morning while they were just kind of, you know, eating the breakfast, getting ready for the day. And it really just allowed me to still be connected. But then when I was done, you know, I was able to kind of push off anything more until the next day. So there is definitely ways to balance that. And I suspect that all freelancers and consultants have different ways to approach it. Some will definitely be a flat out, I'm not available. Some people, maybe like you, Derek, you, you are available, you know, whether you like it or not. You know, I think that it's a big learning opportunity. Would you agree? For sure. Yep. I and I basically take the same approach too. If I'm taking a vacation, I'll usually wake up and I might work the, you know an hour or two each day. At least get the important stuff out of the way. Respond to any emails. If there's any fires you have to put out, uh, take care of that. Um, and then you have the rest of the day to to at least try to enjoy the vacation without thinking about uh, client needs. Last question about nine to five. So this is kind of the million dollar question here, and I love Eli's response in my last um interview with him same as Ronell with his but would you ever go back to a nine to five role and if you were like what makes it attractive or what specifically would prevent you from going back yeah there there's probably not enough money for me to go back to a nine to five um personally i am you know i'm i consider myself highly driven uh highly motivated but i'm also not motivated to make somebody else's dream come true right if i'm going to work hard i want to make sure that i'm the one the beneficiary of it so um you know frankly i probably wasn't a great employee i was always looking for you know how i could improve my career and not so much somebody else's so um yeah i don't i don't ever see myself going back to the nine to five yeah i suspect <laughs> that that's going to be a a common response to for people that i continue to talk to you know, it was really Eli saying that when he wants to continue to be challenged or is given an opportunity to be challenged in a way that, you know, his current career is not allowing him, that really made me kind of take a step back and think about it myself. But I, I'm really there with you. I would love to think that I was a, a perfect employee, but, you know, anybody who's listening to this and knows me or even managed me 
knows that I'm certainly not easy to work with. So I'm with you, team freelancing. But the reality is, is I guess if there was ever a day where you know, I wasn't able to provide for my family, you know, it certainly is not a bad choice to have to go work for someone else. Of course, absolutely. Yes. And I mean, you know, if I were to lose all my clients, that's a different thing. But yeah. Um. So Derek, as we kind of wrap up this podcast here, what recommendations would you have for aspiring freelancers? You know, there's people listening right now that are kind of questioning, you know, should I freelance? You know, what do you think about part-time freelancing? Like what recommendations would you have? You have books, courses, anything along those lines that you'd recommend? Yeah. So, um, First off, I would say if, if you're thinking of freelancing, um, go for it. At least try do it part time. You know, I, I started, I wake up at 430 in the morning, put in a couple hours for, for my freelance clients and I work at night. Um, it's, you know, even if you're not looking to do it full time, it's, you know, it's extra income um, and maybe you will enjoy it. Um, as for courses or um, you know, the biggest thing I would recommend is, you know, if find something that you're interested in and try to follow some experts, see what they, what they would recommend. If there's, you know, if they're, if they have any books or that, that they're trying to sell or that they recommend, go out and buy them. I've, you know, I've spent so much money on different courses and coaching and uh, like DVD series, like I mentioned earlier. And um, sometimes it's not worth it, but you're, you know, even if you get one little nugget out of, out of the thing that you purchased, you know, it's, it, it's going to be beneficial. So um, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins, and so I've you know I've gone to one of his seminars. I've purchased a lot of his different tapes and everything, and um, I, you know that's that's helped me a lot. Um, but I'm always constantly looking for new ways to improve and educate myself because, um, like for SEO, you can't you know you can't really go to school to learn it. It's you, know, you have to constantly be educating yourself. Very true. <laughs> Curious from your perspective, knowing that you've been on the nine to five side and the freelance side for me personally, like any sort of consulting or growth management or growth hack books, like I read them, but they didn't really stick. But I find that now that I'm running a business, I am freelance full time. You know, for instance, I, I'm reading the million dollar consultant by Ellen Wise now. And that was recommended to me by Eli. And it's like everything he says, I just kind of nod my head and it makes so much more sense to me now as a freelancer than if I were to have done this even five years ago. Do you say you have kind of the, the same approach? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is anytime you purchase something like a, a book or, um, you know, a webinar or a course is, is really just needing to take action on, on that, right? I mean, there's so many books that I've read that have great information, but if you don't actually follow through on it, um, then it doesn't really help you out. So um, the thing that I've learned is more, as a freelancer is actually trying to execute or trying to take action on on the recommendations or the you know the knowledge that they provide thank you derek for joining us today on the seo freelancer podcast how can people listening to this podcast today get in touch with you yeah i appreciate you uh, having me on nick um you there's a few ways you can contact me one is at my website it's emerald.consulting um or you can reach me at derek at emerald.consulting this concludes the very first episode of the SEO Freelancer Podcast. If you want to be alerted to additional podcasts as they become available, please visit theseofreelancer.com.